Let's go, guys. Welcome back to another ESL podcast. Here I am today with Katrina Gleisberg. And you guys already know her. She's one of the greatest human beings on the, that has ever graced the planet. And she shares so many wonderful details and tools and tips and guides for just about all of you out there to become either effective speakers, effective listeners, or do this or do that. And today, we're kicking off probably a one of two part, maybe three part series. We're talking about effective listening strategies. We, we, we will be getting into the academic side of it going forward, but today we're just talking about everyday listeners. So without further ado, thank you so much, Katrina, for joining me and everyone else today. I'm so grateful to be on again. It is such a joy. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, and I just love Curious George. He's just, he's just right there in the back just smiling at me. For those of you watching on video, you, got, you guys can see Curious George. But for those of you who are not on video, you guys are missing Curious George. <laughs> yeah, my, my students love him. They love him, huh? I he love doesn't him matter too. the age. I had a haircut like that once. People would say, you look like Curious George. You know, stupid people. I remember you sharing them before. That's so funny. <laughs> it was a beautiful haircut, but yeah, people were talking bad about me. such a beloved, cute little guy that you should just remember that as such a compliment. Yeah. What was that? 1980s, I think, wasn't it? Oh, I actually think he's way older than our childhood. I want to say he goes back... To like to the 60s, 50s, something like that. I just realized Mickey Mouse was the 1910s and Daffy Duck was the 1920s. I just realized that. I thought they were like 70s. Isn't it cool All that Disney's there are some like, characters that are like the, the childhood characters for multiple generations? Yeah, Curious George is totally one of those. A century. Goodness. That's awesome. And it's great that, you know, Walt Disney able to carry that on and they're carrying on that vision. You know what I mean? So... Nonetheless, so let's hear it. You were just telling me that, you know, uh, again, this will be things that you've learned and whatnot, especially from the, cast, uh, the classes you've been teaching. So give us an introduction into this, what we're going to be speaking about today. So listening. Um, so I, in the adult class that mm -hmm. I teach, I'm lucky in that there is not a really set time constraint curriculum that I have to follow, I am grateful that I can teach what my students request of me. And my students primarily, right now in this particular class that we're referencing, mm -hmm. this particular class, they are English language learners with the native language of Spanish, most of them. Some of them are from other um, Latin countries where they have tribal languages, but primarily Spanish speaking females who are very open as far as can you please help me with calling my children's school? Can you please help me know what to say to my, na my neighbor? And I really, really appreciate that they are open with this is what is useful to me. Can you help me? Love it. And when we go through dialogue situations of what to say. They are very honest about asking questions for what they need help with. And honestly, the biggest thing lately has been the pronunciation of words. These are words that they know that they can understand, but the pronunciation 
is difficult and it affects their listening mm. because if they don't know the, the correct pronunciation themselves, then listening to native speakers, it might be a word that they know if they see it written, yep. but when they hear it, it seems like it's foreign, even though this is vocabulary that they know. And I know from being a language learner myself in other countries, it's devastating and almost kind of embarrassing when you ask somebody to repeat something or to spell it out and you're like, I know what this word means. Yep. I just understand it because of the pronunciation issue. And so, Katrina, just real quick, my students on a routine basis, Basically, what you're saying is because they don't understand the real pronunciation or they've tried translating it into their language, they're unable to understand when I say it. And then yes. when I say it, let me give you an example. There is no A-L, okay, suffix A-L in Thai, like central. So what they do, they substitute it and they say sentan, right? So everything with the A-L ends up in an A-N, an, 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 right? And so... Yeah. When I'm saying central, or if I say McDonald's, or if I say future, there's no R-E in their language. So instead, they say future. It's not water. It's water. Yes. Hamburger. No, it's hamburger. You see what I mean? It's like always a ah at the end. So I'm like, what, what can they do? If, if, I mean, do they have to learn the pronunciation of every single word? Is that what? Because I've always tried saying, like, guys, I don't know. I don't know. You go. So there are specific sounds that I talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the R sound, like, in the end of future. Oh, my gosh. With the native Spanish speakers and with native um, when I was teaching refugees, oh my gosh, that R sound is so difficult. And I feel like every single day I'm teaching an adult class, I have to say R, R. Notice how your mouth. Yes. It's like, do you notice when I say a word like future? Yeah. The R sound, my mouth goes Corner of the mouth. Uh-huh. And so that is the biggest thing is noticing the feeling in your face. Oh, the contraction of, of the muscles. How, yes. How does the face change or the mouth, the tongue, the teeth, etc.? What is the relationship between those things for all the different sounds? I am always saying R, 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 or simple words that we use all the time like your, your, your. That is a difficult word for them. Mm. That sight word we use all the time. Yeah. I, I'm always saying, feel it in your face. Your, your. Same thing with the letter L, like you said. Um, I am always talking about with words like, ah, ah. When we say this word, it's touch. Make sure your tongue is touching your teeth. Little, little. And especially when you, you, you put it, you put it up here. You you do it up there. You're like, you put it. Well, I exaggerate it. Oh, oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Because then they'll do it like 50% and they'll probably put it like little, like right here instead. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. So okay, they, okay. Need to, they need to see it yes. when they're first learning. Oh, yeah. And so I sometimes it backfires a little and that they'll do it really exaggerated, but it's like yep. at least 
they have that awareness, that mm. mindfulness, me being that mindful person, I'm trying to bring that back to the, that present awareness of what is the body sensation that you have when you make a certain sound. Mm. Little, little. Uh-huh. And so we'll do that over and over and over. And, and even if I've, um, we're reading something and I've gone over it three times, four times, they will pause and I let them as do it. Do, I will let them do it as many times as they want. If they need to repeat that sound 12 times uh-huh. and that's, what's going to help them. That's muscle memory. That's muscle memory. Just like brush it. When we learned to brush our teeth, we didn't have that muscle memory right away as a two-year-old, but it's something that we build and it's something that you will build also when you're learning a language and you're doing sounds that aren't natural for you. Noticing where, what that feels like in the face to pronounce those sounds. So it's back to basics. These are called beginning blends. Beginning blends. I've taught this a long time ago because I used to teach a girl from Laos. Laos a country just above Thailand for those who don't know. And oh, like her pronunciation, I was like, what are you saying? But I helped her. So I started from the beginning. So I'm going to give you two beginning blends that my students find very, very difficult. T-H. They don't say the. They say duh. Like D-U-H. Like duh. You know what I mean? Like confirm it. How come you don't know that? That's what duh means. But they say that. And if they go to America and... <laughs> And they're, they're trying to say T-H-E, the, and they say duh, and they say it to someone who's like, would you like a, would you like a, a, a water? And you're like, duh. Oh, uh, you know, or you don't, you just say the, that, that could be a bit, huge misconception. So T-H is one. Another one, T-R. I was teaching a doctor. He had to go home and say it about 1,000 times, and he got it. Because the T-R is a C-H, essentially. Truck, right? Truck. Uh, what, what else? Uh, lots of TRs. Uh, train. Uh, t- tree. You see what I mean? But they try to put the T with the R. r. So they say truck, truck, truck. And I'm like, yes. you sound like a baby. You know what I mean? So what are some beginning blends? <laughs> no offense. No offense to my people out there, but truck, truck, truck. Don't you say, don't don't say that to people. <laughs> tree, tree, tree. The th. So you you know how there's two different ths. Right. Right. There's the and there's thin. Right. Oh. And then th. So that's something that I learned. Oh gosh, beginning linguistics class, first uh. semester of my master's program in um, language learning. Uh-huh. And that is something that makes one of the many things that makes English difficult, right? We have, um, we have five vowels that make 20 different vowel sounds. Right. TH, why, do, why does TH make two different sounds? It does, it's, it's, it's difficult. So in the word the, the is a different TH than in a word like thin, thick. So when we are doing TH, yes, we have to spend a lot more time on TH words and actually, one of the things that I think causes a bigger issue with my current students is the end sounds of words, especially yes. ER. Yes. Because if you ER. don't have down the end sounds of words, then what happens is when you listen to these words, 
all of the words blend together as one giant word. And in that one giant word, you're not hearing the individual words that you actually know. Uh So in a word like, okay, a lot of my students call me teacher and they say teacher, right? They don't have the ER down. Exactly. So <laughs> Thailand to teacher, teacher. Yes, all of these words end up blending together. Um, so I do, even though students know the vocabulary, it is important to spend at least a few minutes of every class session going back to phonics. And it's interesting to me, like if I forget, because a lot of times, like I said, this particular class is very informal. If it's gone if it's toward the end of the class, my students will ask for phonics. They will ask. Or it will come up naturally in our conversation. Because I, it's one of those things kind of like we've talked about, it's, it's never best to teach grammar just in isolation. It's better if it's within the context of something we're learning in class. The same thing with phonics. So if the dialogue that we're working on happens to have a lot of ER verbs, that's the perfect time to go through, okay, we're gonna highlight all the ER words in this um, daily interaction dialogue, and we're gonna focus on the ER words there first, and then we'll bring in other examples. So it's always good to relate it back to a particular um, text. So teaching phonics is an amazing thing, but here's a fun thing that we talked about muscle memory. When you do something with your body, like a movement, you are more apt to remember to do it. Uh-huh. So here's something that I, I experienced also as a language learner in other countries. We were talking about how you hear words that you know the meaning of, but you may not recognize them. And it's because we are putting the accent on the wrong syllable, or we don't know where to put the accent. Excellent. We know what the word looks like written out. Yes. Um, so an example of, of me when I was in Greece, um, I had this lovely Greek coworker who would bring me things that they had grown like lemons from her tree. And, um, you know, her father had picked fresh oregano, but she was, she was saying, I have some and they don't pronounce it like oregano. It was, must be like oregano or however she said it in her beautiful way. And her, she, it, it's, it was the same word, but she, but, but she didn't have, she wasn't saying it with the Americanized pronunciation. And I'm just like, huh? And finally, when she spelled it out and described that it was a spice, I was like, oh, oregano. Yes. Okay. I know what you're talking about. I know this word. It's just that it sounds like a different word if it's acts, if the accent is on uh-huh. different syllables. So when I'm teaching my English language learners, and it's a word like that that's hard for them to pronounce. I will literally do movements with my hands of oregano. Yep. And they will start to do it too. Mm-hmm. Because when movement is associated with something, it's we know the power of multiple intelligences. We've talked about multiple intelligences before. When you bring in another strategy, when it's not just writing, when it's also speaking, when it's also movement, when it's also listening, when it's... You, bring in all of these different skills, it's going to make it more memorable. So I literally use my hands and we go up and down for different accented words. And that, and we do the same thing with separating words. 
Because if I'm reading a sentence really fast or at a normal native speaker speed, mm -hmm. students sometimes cannot hear where the end of one word is and the start of the next word. Mm -hmm. And that affects their ability to listen. Mm -hmm. So I might use my hands. And if it's a, let's say it's a sentence that has four words, I will sometimes as they're speaking, Let's, if we start with something basic of um, how are you, I'll use the hands of separating words. Mm -hmm. um, it seems really simple with a short sentence like that, but you start bringing in sentences that have eight, nine, 10 words. Right. It's really, really valuable for them to hear the words with the movement, to know your, your, especially with those R words of, oh, that's the end of a word, your. Right before they go on to the next. And that accented syllable, I cannot reiterate it enough how that can be so detrimental to people uh. who aren't even beginners, right? They know all these words, but when they're speaking and listening, that is such an issue for them. If they cannot understand the word because they don't have the accent on the correct syllable, right? In English, we don't have the accent marks on top of our words. Right. When I was learning Greek, they had right. the accent words. Every, every word has an accent mark on those long words. It might be like 11 syllables. Right. I mean, they have really, really long words, but it was really helpful when I was learning the language because, ah, I know where to put this accent. We don't have that in English. So I think as teachers, that gives us something to be very mindful of when they're starting, I will do little marks fake accent marks on top of words so that they know where to accent them. Wow, so much. This is why I teach pronunciation. Hell, I've self-taught myself, to be honest with you, because when I started teaching pronunciation podcasts, just as I you know, initiated my ESL podcast at the end of last March, um, I really wanted to focus on pronunciation because I know that's the biggest problem. And so this is probably why so many Japanese people, and of course, the, you know, the country of Japan, they're my number one in terms of my ESL podcast. Because when it comes to, you know, putting, stressing the correct syllables, ooh, they could get it wrong big time. And mm -hmm. so I, I still remember that I went to the currency exchange at Narita Airport, and she was like, hello? Oh, you want Singapore dollars? You, you know what I mean? It was just like a roller coaster, but people and this is why a lot of my students just like yesterday i just finished teaching a sales team who works at the mandarin hotel and they were telling me that oh well the customer always goes like this and they say excuse me again please sorry and it's because you don't you didn't pronounce specific words so for them it's easy because if they gave me the presentations of the different types of jewelry and display i said okay just learn the specific pronunciations for these words you only have to repeat them on a you know on a routine basis so okay you you had a problem saying jade you said jet and then of course one of the students instead of helping her she almost made a mockery of her that she got to blah, 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 you know all these women who work there and so i said no jade it's a dull a a a jade jade and then cut it off Right? Don't say jet. Jet is completely different different from jade. Jade is an emerald, I believe. And so 
those little things people can clean up and that's learning it in context right instead of saying onyx which of course is a what is that a stone there we go it's a stone i just learned that yesterday oh my god onyx <laughs> i only knew the pokemon i know onyx the pokemon you know the pokemon the the big rock guy uh <laughs> i'm not very familiar with pokemon but i as a kid when my family visited turkey onyx is a thing there all these onyx figurines so i got to know onyx real well right all right <laughs> that's awesome and again that's another one pokemon we pronounced it, it we we pronounced it I pronounced it, it. Oh, God. I'm sounding real American. Pronounced it. Oh, my God. That was a very American. Uh, pronounced it in, in correctly because my entire childhood, I would say Pokemon. Pokemon. That's incorrect because in Japanese, it's Pokemon. Pokemon. You see what I mean? So those little things, and like karaoke. No, it's karaoke. You see what I mean? These little things can confuse people, but it's all about just making the little, you know, the toggles, you know, it's just, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I'm just learning it in context, especially if it's work related, you can get better at that very, very quickly. But there are specific girls that I've talked to, especially yesterday, where they had a lot of pronunciation issues. And I said, guys, it's okay. You got about five words you need to clean up. So when you wake up in the morning, don't say Luby, Luby. No, it's Ruby, 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 no Luby. And they're like, oh, it's difficult. I say, I don't care. Wake up in the morning and say Ruby, 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 Ruby. Like right when you wake up, when that alarm clock goes off, say it. If you're sleeping next to someone, I don't give a damn. You could clean it up very quickly. So. Yes, and most importantly, with that, be mindful of what does your face feel like when you pronounce yes. that R? Ruby, Ruby. Right. Is your mouth going, if you have to exaggerate it a lot, I mean, people that are learning drama and speech, they practice those mouth exercises for a reason. Mm -hmm. right? It's the same when we're learning a language, being very mindful of Ruby. I, I, like if, if it helps to put your hands on your face, do it. It's more muscle memory. Right. Right. And so that's, what, and, and again, going back to like the beginning blends, that's the most important. I would go into thought groups, but that's more advanced like later. So again, doing the beginning blends. Now, again, uh, Katrina, for the young students and the adult students who have problems, uh, you know, with pronunciation, what are some things that you tell them to do? Um, let, let's say sentences. Do you give them? little dialogues? Um, do you have them record their voice? Uh, do you have them slow down their speech? Do you have them, you know, uh, because again, I know how to stress different words that have multi-syllables because I was reading a book and I'm like, oh my God, direction. Oh, okay, three syllables. You normally stress the, the middle one. If you stress the last one, it could be a French syllable like trustee, Committee, uh, well, committee, no, that's, different. that's the exception. Ah, uh, right, right. <laughs> cafe, yeah, right, right. So, and cafe is a French word, right? Because it has the accent. So, in, in, in American English, we normally say cafe, but I'm sure in French, they say, you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they know, because I see a French guy all the time. He's the CEO of my gym. And you should hear the things he says. It's ridiculous. I'm like, 
how is that even a word? You know what I mean? But it's all different, like German too. So anyways, well, yeah, that, go ahead. Well, that, well, it's funny because um, <laughs> something that has helped me in other countries mm-hmm. is when um like when i was in greece and i'm Mm. like what is that word because i'm not hearing the individual letters i'll say that can you say that in an americanized way and you know um and and it would work like oh i wasn't able to hear that whatever sound because of their they they do have these sounds like like oh i always struggled with the greek gamma with the this like guttural sound and so I'd say, can you Americanize that? And they, and, and I'm, oh, okay, I get that now. I know how it's spelled. I get it. I, it, it makes it easier once I know what the Americanized way would be. Um, I remember, okay, so one time I was in Italy <laughs> um, and I was with a, a group of people and there was this a sounds guy, bad. <laughs> there was a guy yeah. Australian. Oh boy. And <laughs> their, pronu- their enunciation is all, you know what I'm saying? Keep he going. Was, he was asking, we were, we needed, like, was it transportation? Something we were asking for um, help. And he asked in his Australian accent. And the person behind the counter was not understanding him. Then this guy, the Australian, decided to take on an Italian accent and said, I want to know. <laughs> and the Italian guy understood him. No! The Italian guy understood him. And I was just like dying of laughing because this is something like if the guy didn't have a sense of humor, he could have felt offended. Uh, but he was, was uh, what the, on his, what the? his fake Italian essence. And the guy understood. The guy understood. Not that that, I don't know if that works all the time, but... You know, if people realize if they're if you're like having fun with it and you're really vulnerable about this is I'm struggling with this, laughter always bonds people. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and if someone's gonna be stuffy, then they're gonna be stuffy whether or not, no matter what language you're speaking or how well. Right, and I got a quick I got a real quick story because I remember one time, this there's a place called Future Park. Okay, and this is where I used to work like two years ago. It was a long time I was working there. Hellish place. Uh, but as I was trying to take like a transportation there from another side of town, I remember I went to the minivan, which is a little minibus thing, and there are people sitting in passenger seats, all that stuff. And I, he, the guy looked at me. He's like, uh-oh, Falang. Falang is like a foreigner in Thai, right? And I said, uh, bye. Bye means go. So I say, bye future. Bye future. He's like, Alena. Meaning what? And he's like, oh, Michael die, Michael die. And he's dismissing it, saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I'm like, oh, let me use the Thailish way of saying that. Uh, by future, future. He's like, oh, okay, by future, future, okay, ba, ba, ba. I'm like, God damn, you can't understand. Me. But it's the same with McDonald's. I can't say McDonald's. I can't say McDonald's, you nigh. Where is McDonald's? I have to say McDonald's. You see what I mean? I'm like, no. In Japan, they say makadukuro. You know what I mean? They don't understand. So I, I can relate to that story. 
Oh my gosh. That makes me think of, so I have a friend and she is from Sicily. Uh. So she knows how to pronounce Italian words. And we were at a restaurant and she ordered, okay, we call it bruschetta, but she asked for it and she said it the Italian way, bruschetta, of course, more beautiful than that. Yeah. And they're like, the waiter was like, it's bruschetta. And she's like, I'm from Italy. <laughs> this is, and so, but she's had to do the same thing. And, and she didn't, my, my friend didn't say it rudely or anything, but it's so interesting that with a word like that, you would think they sound very close, but this waitress felt the need to correct her. And um, how interesting is it? Like you were saying, it's, in our language, we're used to hearing it one way, and it's not the word comes from Italy, but and but we're not saying it with the real pronunciation. We are we change the pronunciation to fit our normal sounds, and we have the audacity, especially Americans, to give an opinion when you have no authority to be given an opinion or correct in anyone. You know what I mean? I remember one British teacher. There's a a city called Pattaya. That's how you say it in Thai. A lot of foreigners, they say, Patia, Patia. I'm like, guys, learn the pronunciation. So I said it correctly the first time. This British teacher, he's like, no, it's like this. Say it correctly. And I'm like, what? I went to my students. I say, how do you say it? They said it exactly how I said it. I went back to them. I said, you're full of shit. You don't know anything. Don't correct me. Because you don't know how to say a damn thing. Your accent sucks. And I just went on a rant. Anyways, that got ugly. But yeah, I just don't correct me unless I want to be corrected. You see what I mean? So that's very important in a lot of cultures. Like, they're, and it's frustrating when they're correcting you for the wrong pronunciation. <sighs> yes, that's what happened to me. So, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I see it. I see that face. I, the boy, that, was a, that was a Katrina rant that was about to come. Oh, my God. Anyway. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> but um, you had asked a question before I told my, my story of the Australian guy in Italy. Dialogue, um, sentences, but, yes. Yes. And so, but, um, so back to some of those tips, and you had asked, like, is one of the methods I use recording? Yes, absolutely. I cannot stress enough how important it is to not only listen to recordings while you're looking at the written, mm -hmm. but to also record yourself. And I know we spoke about this when we did our podcast on speaking strategies, but when I introduce a daily interaction dialogue to my students, so like we just started last week. Um, was the daily interaction dialogue on um, the phone conversation of what to say to report your child's school absence. Uh -huh. And so I, it's a longer dialogue. I mean, uh -huh. it's one page, but it's small font. Mm -hmm. And because I believe in quality over quantity, we only got through probably half of that dialogue in that particular class, which is fine because we were doing lots of pronunciation practice and vocabulary, et cetera. And so I, this is exactly why I make YouTube videos for my students based on the daily interaction dialogues. So, and because I have students and it, for me, these YouTube videos are not about like, Oh, how many views am I going to get from randoms? It, it's like, 
okay, if this is going to help one plan. student, yes. one student who's trying really, really, really hard because when. she wants to be involved in her child's education, then if I make that YouTube video and she and it gets five views because she watched it five times, then it is worth it. Absolutely. Because need to make that YouTube video, it's only going to take me about maybe three minutes to read the text. Right. Yes. But she knows me. She trusts me to ask me all these questions of what her basic needs are. And she's going to go back and she is going to use the written script that I've given her. And she's going to follow along with the words as she's hearing me speak. Mm. And she's going to come back and she's going to ask me questions. And that is the best method is if you can hear the words while seeing the written text because you and I have discussed before there are four domains of language learning reading yes. writing speaking and listening correct and if we try to do those in isolation it's going to slow down our language learning process right. but because a lot of people depending on the culture a lot of Asian cultures I'm generalizing here, but tend to be better with the reading and the writing, whereas other more vocal uh, cultures, they seem to be better with the speaking and the listening. But if you can combine those domains together and you are listening to a dialogue as you're reading the text, you are doing some powerful work for your brain to unite the two. So yes, they listen to my dialogues, my recordings on YouTube at home for pronunciation practice, but they also then, I have them do the dialogues with each other where they are also going to be recording themselves. I like that. So, I mean, you're putting an extra bit of, pressure, good pressure on them mm -hmm. when they, when they know that they're going to be listening to themselves being recorded. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I love to do. Um, and I think when we were talking about strategies for those four domains of language, learning, reading, writing, speaking, listening, we discussed this is when the students are already sharing something like I start every class with a particular speaking prompt that can be simple as today I am feeling blank because blank. If my students, if I want to have them practice listening strategies, then what I have them do is, okay, they all practice on writing it, writing their response first. Then as they're practicing writing, I go, I circulate between my students and I help them with the pronunciation of it individually. And then when they are presenting their prompt response to their classmates, I ask their classmates to write down one thing that each person said. Mm. Because if it's, it's uniting all of those domains of language learning and they are listening very carefully to what their classmates say, if they know they're going to have to write it down. Because it's helping the listener to be more mindful of listening, and it's also helping the speaker to be more mindful of their speaking 
because they know that, oh, my classmates are writing down what I say. I better have great pronunciation and pause after my words so that they know what to write. Such a fantastic technique. See, this is why I love bringing you on to share some of these things because, again, these are things that teach not only, of course, students, but teachers can actually start applying to a lot of their systems because, oh, man, those little things make all the difference in the world. They get positive feedback and they get constructive feedback rather than having a teacher say, oh, you're not saying it correctly. No, it's like this. It's like this. It's like this. And then making a mockery out of them rather than help, you know, supporting them. Right. Because this way the classmates are helping each other. And, that and is we know as, you know, as good teachers, best practices is not lecturing to your students. Nope. How can, we want our students to be talking more than we're talking. Yes. And so that way they are helping each other. Mm -hmm. And if they want to be able to write it and spell it and they want to be able to, you know, write the word um, culture, they know I better, I need to say culture with an R because it's going to help everybody writing it. It's not culture, it's culture. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, Thailand, yeah, those are my students, my lovely students. But nonetheless, I'm, again, I love it. You know what, to top this off, I'm going to hurry up and tell you something. I just had this discussion last night talking about teachers and students being able to communicate with one another. Extremely important. I'm going to give you an example from my life when I was learning Japanese, I think in 2008 in college. Broken education systems, obviously, you have a Japanese instructor, she's standing in front of the class, and we're going by a book, there aren't any listening strategies, there aren't any videos at the time, of course, 2008, but being in that class and not speaking to one another in Japanese, and not speaking to the professor in Japanese, and not having hands-on acti activities in Japanese, uh, not developing pen pals, or just things that are way outside the box, or doing things that will enable us to have fun while speaking. Kind of like what I'm doing in my classes, she didn't do that. Did I learn Japanese? No. However, my Spanish teacher, two years after that in university, she, we had the videos, we had the listening, we had this, we had that. I was enthusiastic about learning because we had such a fun class. It felt like it was a class of comedians because we had such a bond. And one of the girls, and I, I, I'm guilty, but there's this girl from Alabama. And these, girl, these folks from Alabama, they just don't want to try. And when it comes to Spanish, it's very easy, okay? So cassette, a cassette tape, right? In Spanish, you say casatera. She was like, Cassatera. And we, and especially me, we kind of made fun of her. We were like, come on, seriously? Get, you know you could do better than that. Stop it. Stop it. And so, again, rather than supporting her, we kind of made fun of her. But then she cleaned up her accent. And she, you know, she got better. But nonetheless, in that class, we would help one another. Now, did we have dialogues where we spoke to one another face-to-face? -face? No. The high school system, I won't even get into that because that was a complete garbage way of learning. So now being on the other side of it and being an instructor, a trainer, and all these different things, now I'm able to put together so many effective strategies in my class that, not can, that can develop not only that confidence, but their listening skills. Because 
the only way to learn is by, you know, trial and error. And if I'm just sitting there with a the lecture and they're just lecturing away, I'm not learning a goddamn thing. That's only one of the representational video, uh, systems, which is listening, audio. But what if I'm not audio? What if I'm audio visual? What if I'm, uh, uh, what is it? Kines kinetic, kinesthetic? Kinesthetic. kinesthetic. What if I'm that? What if I'm this? Everyone has different representational videos. If I'm all audio, but I'm, if I'm listening, but I'm not an audio person, that goes in one ear out the other, it's broken, done. You see what I mean? This right, and you're, you're missing out on so many opportunities. Absolutely. And it makes life easier for the teacher if the teacher's not up there talking the entire time. Right. Yeah, it, like any balanced conversation, no matter who you're talking to, there should be uh -huh. speaking and listening. There should be interaction back and forth because uh -huh. that's what's natural in life. So if we want our students in the classroom to learn best so they can use th this language out in real life, you have to model things to be as lifelike as possible. Uh -huh. People are interacting back and forth. Mm. So yeah, I, you had mentioned something about accents and that's another good listening strategy is listen to a variety of accents of that target language. Because I know there were students that I had taught that in the refugee camp, like if they had, you know, a British teacher that they were learning from, they have the British accent, and so that can be confusing. But the more that you listen to different accents, the more it will make you aware of these different sounds. And so maybe what that looks like for someone is, okay, they're listening to, to podcasts from different people, balanced with, you know, if they're already listening to TV shows, whatever, it's very, very valuable to listen to different, not just different accents, but different speech styles. Right. So for example, when I took French in high school, I had a French teacher and she was good at, um, you know, having us turn and talk and practice dialogues with partners, et cetera. But I remember when we had tests, these were tests from the book and it came with the cassette tape where she would play a dialogue that we would listen to and we would have to write it down. I could never understand when it was the, the speaker from the cassette who was speaking really fast and there were no pauses between words because I guess I was used to and spoiled by the fact that my French teacher spoke slowly and paused between words. So what the, and so there were times where most of us would be like, huh? And so she would take what was from the tape and then she would repeat it in her own voice. Mm -hmm. And then I could totally write it down. Yes. I know what this means. I know yes. what the response is. But it's it's very valuable. But if if my students were to only listen to my voice, where I'm speaking around them slowly, and in a lot of ways I do have a, a slower voice than the average person when I'm being mindful, um, mm. you know, they're not going to be able to relate it to um, necessarily to that same dialogue we learned in class related to the cashier who's speaking really, really fast or sloppy or using a lot of slang. Mm. 
So listening, like as a teacher, it's, it's good for me to have my students listen to someone other than just my voice. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And that's, Ooh, that's why it's probably why I created this podcast because so many of my students, they say, I don't understand the Indian accent. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. That's why I bring speakers on from all around the world. You know what I mean? And I, hopefully like me and you were speaking to each other, of course, on, you know, Tuesday, Monday, your time. Uh, but I'm going to be uploading this Saturday. So hopefully tomorrow for people who are listening to this, they will have the Chinese accent. And so now there are no more excuses. I get it. I was the same person, right? I went to Australia. I didn't understand the goddamn thing those people were saying for three, uh, three months. They were like, could you give me a couple of I said, man, you better learn how to speak some English, boy. Boy, I was getting so angry. Could you, I swear. I, I, boy, have you tried ever listening to an Australian but Egyptian background? It's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. But it's I, not the worst thing. It's me not wanting to understand the individual and understand an accent. See, I was a fool when I was a kid, but now I'm a gentleman. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I can relate to the fact of hearing somebody speak English, but with an accent that's very strong and hard to understand. Yeah. And it makes it way more easy to yeah. tune out because it does take more brain power. Yes. I have a lot of, I have a lot of empathy for, yeah. for these people because... I know, oh my gosh, when you are learning a language and you are out there in another country and you're using this in natural settings, mm -hmm. it does take so much brain power. It's so, it's so good for your brain. I mean, they say learning languages um, can, is, can be a way to do decrease chances of diseases such as Alzheimer's. Oh, amazing. Right? Because you are using parts of your brain that you don't normally use. So it's so healthy to be learning other languages. But like anytime you do something that's difficult, the struggle can wear you out. Right. So Absolutely yeah, so be right. gentle with yourself. Be gentle. Practice that mindful self-compassion of, okay, I'm learning something new. It's not supposed to be easy. All of these things in life that are the most valuable things are things that require a little bit of risk taking and hard work. Mm. Ah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. As always, Katrina, we've shared so much information. That was like, that was some lit, that was listening, that was pronunciation, that was speaking, that was development for teachers who are out there with, oh my God, that was so much in such a small amount of time. Is there anything else you want to add before I top this bad boy off? Um, I will be like a lot of my, I have some blog posts that are related to what we talk about in the podcast so that people can see the stuff listed out. So awesome. I will, um, give you the, the, the link the blog post that has some of these suggestions Awesome. and that way people can have, we get to practice what we preach, right? If we, right. It helps people have the written out text to complement the audio, then I hope these things can serve you in the greatest way possible. And I know that you have so many awesome listeners who ask very thoughtful questions. So they, um, so this is just another invitation. If we have people out there who are um, maybe more reserved, um, but 
they have these burning questions, please ask. Absolutely. It's those burning questions that give us the greatest ideas for creating new lessons and content such as what's in this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's for everyone out there. Seriously, we want you guys to reach out. And Katrina and I, we're probably going to be bringing other people on. So there'll be, probably be a three, you know, three people at one time. Uh, I've already introduced her the idea. We're probably going to bring someone on who I just had recently. She's a teacher. She teaches both English and French in Belgium. So we're going to do some kind of real fun speaking task together. And this will be really, really good because, of course, Katrina sharing the amount of information she has. It's just going to be phenomenal. So again, Katrina, I am so excited for you, what you got going on. We got so many, we got a few more podcasts to cover for the entire year. <laughs> and so bringing you back on. And guys, if you like this, share it. I'm going to be sticking all the, of course, her links in the description. So make sure you tune into that. And as always, Katrina, it's been a plum pleasing pleasure. <laughs> yeah with that being said guys stay tuned for more over and out